Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? How you doing? Good evening, everyone. How you doing? All right. Hopefully everybody is doing good. Uh, there was a big old spider stomping over the weekend. We're going to get to that as always. But we are brought to you first and foremost by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, really excited to get down there at homecoming and have some fun with them, uh, especially the night before. We're kind of working out what we're going to do. We may be a little, <laughs> we may be a little too ambitious with our planning, but <laughs> we're definitely going to have a party at Pale Fire on the night before homecoming. Um, we'll see what other kind of action there is there when we get there. Uh, but check out Pale Fires uh, there in the tap room in Harrisonburg. Get a free pint glass as always if you mention the podcast. Uh, we'll be picking up a few when we're down there, and you can get Pale Fire all over the state. It was really great. We somebody sent us some pictures this week with some you know, lined up beverages before the game, uh, some Pale Fire Deadly Rhythm, and then even our old JMU-owned brewery, uh, Port City, back in Alexandria. That was really cool. Uh, thank you, everybody, for paying attention to that. Uh, but go see, go, go see everybody there at the tap room and pick up Pale Fire wherever you are. Um, it, one thing, uh, also, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love some more 5.5-star uh, ratings. Or one star, if that's really what you're feeling. Uh, and this, by the way, Rob, I know we're going to get into this tonight. Uh, just to let everybody know, we're going to do a little bit of sort of the reverse of the way we usually do things. Uh, we'll do it in the same order, but try to spend our time a little differently. Because the real season begins this week. And for anyone that thought that William and & Mary and Richmond were the real season, I think you may be sorely mistaken when it's all said and done in the 2018-2019 college football season yeah dukes are getting ready to to run the ca gauntlet here yeah Um, big time Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's pretty it's still hard for me as kind of a long time long-term fan dating back to yankee conference days (laughs) to to not place too much importance on these richmond and william mary games Mm -hmm. but it's just it's not their year and um as hard as it might be to wrap our head around the fact that elon and stony brook and rhode island are are real deal teams. They absolutely are. And that's who JMU has coming up. So it's, it's a little bit different, but we're going to see a market step up in, uh, in the level competition, I think. Big time. I, I think um, <laughs> Richmond and William and Mary make teams like Tennessee and Louisville look competent. So yeah, yeah let's, let's not get carried away yet. Um, and last couple things before, or one last thing before we get started, one note from a not, one non-football note. Um, really cool to see men's soccer has kind of crept into the top 25. Uh, this week so they have a, they're off to a five three and one start they've played a decent schedule they did lose to UNC Wilmington who's kind of the heavyweight in the conference they play down here in North Carolina at NC State tomorrow night uh, but a program we has kind of been off our radar the last few years because really I mean putting it frankly for because of a lack of success uh, especially compared to the women's sports they are matched up against like field hockey and women's soccer in the fall seasons the last couple of years and so really cool to see men's soccer uh, sort of getting it done. They blew out Delaware last week. They're off to a three and one start in CAA play. Ward, Ward Baptiste with the um, bicycle. Kick. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So that, that's just really neat for us. Uh, Rob and I are both big soccer fans. Um, pretty excited about DC United's big win over the weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But Five nil, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a, uh, we want to get in the playoffs kind of a statement there. So we are going to do four downs from Richmond but we're going to try to run through them a little quicker than we usually do. 
and, and really focus and kind of do a full, uh, you know, something akin to Ford Hounds on our concerns heading into this week and what we're looking forward to. Uh, there's a lot of kind of roster management issues to potentially hit on tonight. Not that Rob and I have any inside knowledge of any kind about those things, but I think they are interesting at this point in the season, especially given that JMU has essentially played, had four bye weeks the, the last four weeks. Yeah. I mean, sorry, ticks. They're, they're, I mean, they're hideous. You know, they moved the ball, but just when it matters, they were terrible. Yeah, it's it's a program kind of in shambles. And and first of all, that that's just <laughs> glorious. Yes. This is glorious to say. Um, yes. I actually, in the first quarter, mm-hmm. I was really nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe now with the benefit of hindsight, it might have been like the proverbial, you know, 16 versus one game mm-hmm. with all due respect to UVA who proved that's not possible to, to lose those games. But, <laughs> I love but it, it just kind of, UVA that also cuts on <laughs> Richmond. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. But it, it kind of looked like, I don't know if they were just hyped up, but they definitely came out of the gates and particularly defensively played really well mm-hmm. in, in that first quarter and kind of took their chances and connected with a couple big plays on offense. Um, certainly had more success in the passing attack in the first quarter than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. But then eventually it was like they, they just couldn't take that counter punch. Yeah. And, and then JMU just, you know, in the second quarter, they put a couple drives on, leaned them, and then it was just over and just no match. Absolutely no match. Yeah. And I think JMU's going to have to, I mean, they, like, I think we talked about this a little bit today. They, they got to put 60 minutes together because, you know, they ran back to opening kickoff, and we'll get to that. And, you know, maybe they felt really good about themselves. And then when, you know, their second drive, they had a good drive and kind of got things second or third drive there, you know, went down the field and JMU scored a touchdown and we felt like, okay, everything's good. And then they kind of sat back again and, you know, Richmond really kept moving the ball up and down the field themselves. And yeah, I mean, JMU's not, they can't go through those lulls so that they're going to have to pick it up. Uh, The opponent this weekend, Elon, potentially the best team, the second best team in the CAA. So they're now in the top 10 nationally uh, they blew out new hampshire over the weekend i know new hampshire's record does not show it they they've suffered some injuries and stuff but definitely an impressive performance from elon winning that game 30 to 9 and the next th- i mean the next three games that, that also that that pretty much killed new hampshire's playoff streak too it did it, i mean it's early but that dropped them to 0 and 4 and a lot of that is due to night being hurt and the wheels have come off since then but mm-hmm. Um, that's still a big win to beat New Hampshire for a program like Elon, which is yeah. you know still opening because they're kind of a newcomer mm-hmm. um, in the CIA. And not to just beat them, but kind of just handle their business. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was just a, methodical. Yeah, yeah. So I, with that, we'll do four downs. Uh, Rob, you want to take first down? Um, yeah, I mean, it, no surprise. I'm sure that's what everybody else is thinking, but it's kind of amazing that JMU kind of turned three good quarters into a 53-point win. Yep. You know, um, as we were just saying, like they looked really, really shaky in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't worried about them losing. I know you and I were texting. It was never that sort of situation. But they just didn't look like that crisp team we'd seen the week before. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to be a missed opportunity. And you'd think that, like, really good teams have quarters like that mm-hmm. at, at all levels of football. And usually you get it together, and maybe you win by two, three touchdowns. Jane, you got it together and then won by the largest margin in, in the series history. I mean, it was just, it was insane how they flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. And this could have easily been 70 or 80 points mm-hmm. had they just played like, you know, a, a, a B minus first quarter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was terrible. It was just it was like they had Hamilton's 
amazing, you know, first game. Mm-hmm. They, they played well defensively in the red zone, but then they just kind of went through the motions. Didn't I think they only what three offensive possessions, mm-hmm. two punts, and an interception. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So it's just offense looked really sluggish. Um, I, I didn't think anybody was tackling well. As I mentioned, I was really surprised that Richmond was able to complete a few long passes, especially considering that that quarterback threw the ball to the moon. He threw the yeah, highest passes I've ever seen. And I thought it was just going to be easy pickings. I, I thought we were going to see like right. four or five interceptions. Um, and I almost wondered like if that lulled the defensive backs into some weird sense of like yeah, we not, can not security, it, but yeah. like, yeah, but you just get into it. Um, so I don't know. It just, it was cool. What I really liked about it was they seemed to make in-game adjustments. We always talk about how JMU under Houston makes such great halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be a real adjustment between, you know, the first quarter and second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's tough to tell when you're watching on TV. You don't see the full field. But it sure, you had the impression that the receivers were not getting open when you couldn't see them, the way Danucci was buying time and mm-hmm. then just chucking it out of bounds mm-hmm. and things like that. But then they started dialing up different plays. And instead of these kind of curl routes where receivers were standing still, he was hitting guys on the run, lots of yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just it, And it opened up. Totally different ball game. And they won in a laugher. Yeah, they really did. And um, it, it was kind of funny because I, I think I thought about it that way, Rob. Just there were a few things early on, especially in that first quarter and even into the second quarter with the <laughs> – I guess we'll get to it in a second. But, uh, you know, there were a few things where it was just a couple of really talented players for JMU kind of made big plays early in the game. But it wasn't like the team was crisp. right? Yeah. I mean, Jawan Hamilton had a kickoff return for a touchdown. And he, that's your fourth or fifth string running back. Obviously, Jimmy would be my second down, but uh, you know yeah. he, he makes a play. I mean, it was four. I think at that point it was fourteen three going in, and we we're going to have a tight game on our hands. And he runs it back a hundred yards because he's Jimmy Mother and, up in Moreland. The, the, the cool thing about that too was it was the way he responded. He'd been beat, I think, on the previous play, mm-hmm. yeah, I think or not even. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things like, you know, good players <laughs> respond well to adversity. You talk and, about it all the time, jump shooters mentality for DBs yeah, too. Yeah, just just next man up. But yeah. um, that was more than like, oh, I'm going to bat the ball down. I mean, that was pure determination to run that back 100 yards. And I, I don't know about you. I was watching on TV this week, and uh, it was kind of yeah, CBS Sports digital coverage was uh, yeah. not, not exactly high definition. But I could tell just – I could tell it was Jimmy when he picked mm-hmm. it off. I mean, it took me – a split second there when the interception came to realize it was Jimmy. And just like last week, I kind of put my hands in the air, like he's going all the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, I guess that'll be my second down, but that's Jimmy has outscored JMU's FCS opponents, 18, 17 in four games. I really don't know what else to say. It's unbelievable. Three straight games. Yeah. (laughs) Is that four picks on the year? Yeah. I mean, I, that, there have been years, there have been seasons where that probably would have been good enough to lead JMU. Mm-hmm. You know, four interceptions in a season is yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and this, three of them as pick sixes. Yeah. None of them particularly like right in there. I mean, I guess the one he had where he jumped the out, he jumped the route. Yeah, was, yeah, but yeah. the other two, I mean, were over fifty yard return. I mean, this is a hundred yeah. yard return. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, what are we? I mean, and on the return. I mean, I don't even know what to say about the CAA refing. Well, Thankfully, it was 63 to 10, so we don't have to talk about that. But uh, it's, it's a struggle week to week, wherever you are, average CAA ref. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Rob, what about uh, third down? I guess if, uh, I've 
don't really single out players much because yeah. I don't know. I'm, kind of, I'm not, I don't watch games like that. I, I got to take it all in. But John Daka definitely mm-hmm. stood out to me today. And he's been a guy that I was really excited about coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And he's been terrific thus far. But I partially felt like Saturday was his coming out party. Yeah. He was everywhere. I think he had like three and a half tackles for loss. Um, just was just getting around the edge. And he, I mean, he's only what a red shirt. Is he sophomore? Or, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's playing like a seasoned vet in mm-hmm. this system, and it, and it's something that we've talked about for a while now. But the benefit of having guys play under trot their whole time at JMU, mm-hmm. you, you see it with guys like Doc, where he come in, he's not experienced in terms of game action, mm-hmm. but he's very experienced in terms of his apparent understanding of his role mm-hmm. and of the entire defense. Which mm-hmm. is great, but then he also is just a freak of nature athletically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and wins the one-on-one battles. So mm-hmm. uh, he's becoming one of my favorite guys to watch play. You know, somebody that I like. I'd recommend. You know, if if you're not an FCS football fan or you don't follow JMU, you can easily make the case like, hey, you got to tune in and watch this guy Jimmy Moreland. Yeah, you you got to see Marcus Marshall when he hits the hole, how fast he can accelerate. Doc is one of those guys, and it used to be like, oh, you got to see him rush the passer, but now he's doing it against the run. Yeah, um, it's just it's he's just. Really, really, um, the sky's the limit. He's he's shaping up where he could have an Arthur Motes like um, mm-hmm. career yeah. at, at JMU. Yeah, and and he was really important this weekend, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to remain that way because Adia Batarwa was out in the middle of the D line, and JMU did not have much pressure at all up the middle. I, I, you know, I, Richmond the, kind, the game kind of got out of hand, and Richmond kind of quit running the ball altogether or had to quit running the ball altogether. But the, the minimal pressure that Jamie was getting from DACA, or, or I don't mean to say minimal pressure from DACA, but just it wasn't like every play JMU was collapsing the line or getting in the backfield. And, and so DACA's contribution to be able to beat guys one-on-one and make plays on occasion is so important right now. Uh, you know, I, I mean, some of that's scheme, some of that's time and score, but he, he's just – the last couple of weeks, I mean, he's been really, really important for JMU. And, yeah. and I think he's going to remain that way the rest of the season. And the other guy, uh, Paris Black played well, kind mm-hmm. of spot starter, unexpected. Mm-hmm. He made some really big plays. Um, Carter, I mean, they've got a lot of playmakers there, but Daka, to me, is the guy who stands out. Yeah, I'm probably going to come back around on Paris Black in the concern area, not for Paris necessarily, but just for the D-line. The depth. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought a couple, a couple guys worth mentioning this week before a fourth down, uh, Kendall Dean really impressive. I mean, there's no doubt he's the second receiver at this point and seems to be easily, you know, he's just doing everything they can ask of him. Uh, kept the play alive on that really good play from Danucci for the touchdown at the end of the half. Uh, and, and just, he's a really exciting player after he t- catches the ball. I thought the O-line this week played pretty well. Uh, they, you know, got, got their act together after the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about Marcus, but that, that's a group that had some shuffling this week that we'll also get to. But they seem to really find their rhythm in the second and third quarter. So that was good to see. But the uh, last point I want to make on the fourth down, Rob, was just I'm really impressed with the way we've talked so much about the running back conundrum with the five backs. But to see Juwan Hamilton run back a kickoff for a touchdown and Percy to make the play, you know, force the fumble. yeah, kind of really yeah. the game-ending, cha- game game-changing play to force the fumble on kick coverage. It's really great the way that Jamie's coaches are using guys who they just don't. There's, I mean, you know, for not any fault of their own, 
but there's just no place for five backs. And it's really great to see. And, and I wish that fans and myself included uh, probably need to stop panicking a little bit about the running back rotation. I, I, it's no doubt to me, Rob, you've been saying this for two years almost, but Mark Marcus is the, is the bell cow here. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy. And you know, Trey, I think is really good at getting them a tough yard or two when they really need it. Um, He's I think he's also invaluable in the passing game. I do too. Even, even just for two or three catches a game, because mm-hmm. you get him the ball in space. He's, I mean, he's a big, strong guy. You look at his legs, they're like tree trunks. Mm-hmm. But he's not as quick to the hole as, as Marshall. But you get him some space. Like if he catches in the flat, I think that's where he does the most damage. Yeah. And, and even Carden, you know, he's a workhorse. Um, there's nothing that, that I don't trust Carden Johnson to do, whether that's picking up blitzes. And, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't had kind of the eye popping runs or numbers that Marcus Marshall has had so far this year. But there's also a reason that when Marshall comes in after the first two or three drives, it starts to loosen up. Yeah. And that is they're, they're using Carden Johnson to kind of pound the defense. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just think all three of those guys and even the fourth and fifth guys, you know, at some point somebody's going to get injured and there's a lot of guys there. And I think they're going to, I think it's going to pay off in November and December that these guys are not getting banged up and carrying the ball 20 or 25 times a game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit, you know, worrying about the running back rotation at this point. So, oh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't think there's really anything to worry about, but again, it's just weird when you see you're used <laughs> to having kind of the big alpha backs, Jamie, or even just rotating where any given week, somebody's going to get 150 yards mm-hmm. and we're not seeing that, you yep. know, Marshall had a tremendous game. I think he finished with 99 yards and he's improving. Um, I mean, his vision in this offense. Oh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, he I is mean, picking out those holes and then he's gone. <laughs> I don't know how he even saw that hole I know I'm, for his long run. Yeah. And then how he, how he made the decision, like, yeah, I can get through there. Mm-hmm. So like seeing it, making the decision to go for it and then doing it, like he jumped through the hole and then he was gone like it's he has ridiculous speed that i don't think we've seen from a jmu back in recent memory yeah um, you know like he's that, a guy who, does awesome, take him a second like he's a guy who has to get to speed yeah you know i mean he's not lightning daycon daycon scott type Mm-mm. you know lightning quick in the backfield uh kind of guy but once he gets rolling you're not catching from behind. no no yeah and and he runs through a lot of you know if he gets to the sort of linebacker safety level He's going to run through a lot of tackles. You know, the, the smaller guys are not going to bring him down easily. So, yeah, that's great from the running backs. And that's about all we have to say about the Ticks. Um, they're a terrible team. They're, yeah. I think they and, and a worse fan base. And, so. and an even worse fan base, yes. And uh, yeah. I, with the exception of Satchmo. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. think uh, the Richmond William and Mary game will be, I don't, uh, I don't know, other than maybe the ODU Liberty game at the beginning of the season sort of the matchup for the worst team in Virginia this year. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really all there is to say about Richmond this year. Uh, as sad as that is for the sort of Richmond focused JMU part of the fan base, uh, th- we're done with that. And now it's time for the real season. So yep. with that, we are looking forward to this week and the first big game. It is family weekend at JMU. We hope that uh, we know there'll be a full stadium. There always is. We hope that a lot of those people will be, invested in the game and stay for the game and that kind of thing. Um, Rob, what's your, what's one thing maybe you're either concerned about or looking forward to heading into not only this week, but maybe as this tough stretch of games, they, they have uh, Elon at Villanova, a bye and Stony Brook. 
the next yeah, three weeks. I mean, these are the just... three toughest games with apologies to Rhode Island and Towson, who I know are improved and certainly looking good. Uh, we'll worry about those when we get there. But this three-game stretch is, is, is the meat of the schedule this year, I think. Yeah, it's, it's just flipping a switch. It is absolutely yeah. night and day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elon is, what, three and one. Mm-hmm. Let's, they had that one game canceled at William Mary. Let's just assume that they would have won that. So they're basically on, on even footing with JMU coming mm-hmm. into this game. Yep. Um, they're the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taken me – I still <laughs> can't get my head around it. I need to, like, keep saying these things. So I love fighting it. Christians. Yeah, but they, they are the real deal. Um, and they've got to just be kind of a thorn in the side of, of the Richmond or William Mary fans who say <laughs> that they're a disadvantage because small schools can't do it. Well, you can. This is a small school with pretty much no tradition, and they've got, put the right pieces in place. They've got a great coach. They've done a real good job recruiting. They've got kind of the right-sized – uh, but really nice facilities. So it's a very attractive package, and now they're exploiting it to great advantage, and they're good. Um, the thing that worries me the most is Malcolm Summers, mm-hmm. the, the running back for Elon. Mm-hmm. Uh, JMU has not faced a running back like this, um, even including at NC State, I would say. Summers is a guy who could you know, go off for 150 yards any given week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to shy down from this JMU defense. I think it's a tough task. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I had to bet, I would, I would bet that JMU would win more battles than they would lose mm-hmm. this weekend. But still, uh, this is not like last week. I mean, that freshman that Richmond had actually had some nice plays at running yep. back. Mm-hmm. But Summers is the real deal. Um, mm-hmm. He's like an all-CA caliber guy. Um, he's probably good enough for if, if Elon's defense plays up to its potential. Um, this could be a close kind of grinded out game that Jamie's not used to. Mm-hmm. And that could come down to, you know, whosoever rushing attack gets going. And it's, uh, I think Marshall's better, but I wouldn't be crying if, if I was a fan of a team with Malcolm Summers getting the rock 20 game, 20 times a game. Right. No, not at all. And, and I think that also kind of dovetails with my next point on this, which is I, you know, Jamie, coach Houston said that Adib is going to, uh, is going to be out for a few weeks. Don't know, you know, some kind of an injury. It's going to be out. You know, there's been a little. They've been a little cagey about that, but he's going to be out for a bit. And that, you know, the D tackle is one of the places on this team that is still not. It's not deep and it's not proven. And I think Green has done a really good job in there and is going to be a good player for a long time to come. As you brought up, I think Paris Black is still developing and going to be very good. Is you know played very well this weekend but nothing you know and he's a guy who really is kind of being moved in from a defensive end position to play in there you know obviously having Darius Carter back helps a lot but I mean they're even playing guys like Matt Painter a little bit and to think about an Elon team that is going to look to run the ball is this is this is going to be a big challenge for JMU this week this is not going to be just a sort of speed seven on seven JMU out talents everybody kind of a game so this is a big this is a big one for JMU I mean I think it's nice having Keyshawn Moore and Demetri Holloway behind that group for sure but they can't be making all the tackles though no no you can't can't let Summers break through too many it can't be a situation where you're going out there with like weak arm tackles you need to wrap this guy up and uh I don't know it's just it's a very tough challenge but at the same time I'm also excited about having a game that's going to be more competitive there, there's a lot more unknowns going into this weekend yeah than, and, than any game thus far like you said i mean elon you know they lost to south florida who's still undefeated at the i, th- I think still undefeated at at the fbs level to start the season so that's not a bad loss uh, 
And Elon played a much more difficult out-of-conference schedule than JMU did. Um, they handled Furman. They crushed them. Crushed yeah. Furman and played Charleston Southern. You know, so they played two – they played a SOCON team and a Big South team, uh, I think, are both considerably better than Norfolk State and I don't know, whoever the hell, heck else JMU played out-of-conference that was equally – oh, Robert Morris. Robert right? Morris, I mean, yeah. so I think Elon's proven a lot more on the field this year despite getting the William & Mary game canceled so far than – than JMU has. So this is a really, this is a big one for JMU for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my, one of my concerns and Rob, I think you talked about this a little bit over the weekend. Danucci is playing. He's definitely improving. Yeah. And we've talked about that week to week. He's been better and better. Uh, He seems to be getting more confident that at the SAS level, he doesn't, he doesn't have to run immediately in a full panic, you know, and um, he's holding the ball. I mean, that was a really good play kind of slide in the pocket and move and wait for Kendall Dean down near the goal line at the end of the half. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple – and look, Danucci's stat line this weekend was unassailable, right? He yeah. was really good. Uh, completion percentage was way up there, played really well. But I noticed a little bit – there were a couple plays this game, even where Jamie made the completion. He is doing a little bit of that waiting for the guy to be open before he throws. Instead of throwing him Instead open. Instead of throwing him. Yeah, yeah. And, and there were a couple, especially with Sims, I think, early on, who runs a lot of those quick, like, five-yard inside or outside moves. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those plays were there even before he threw it. And not, not just, you know, this is, this is the very minor criticism, but that, that's sort of the next step for him is making that decision early. And I think we heard, you know, so it, it's just, just something to keep an eye on. I, I want to see him keep – It's comfort, too. Yes. Because I think, like – he will just kind of throw it to Riley and trust that he's going to get the ball. Like Riley will just use yeah. his body. I mean, Riley's just right. kind of, yeah. yeah, to get a shoulder and he'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he takes a similar sort of approach with a guy like Dean, or maybe he's not going to just throw it to him if he's, you know, got a body on him like you would with Stapleton, right. but maybe he throws it to him when he's only got a half a step instead of waiting for that full step. Um, mm-hmm. But I've got confidence that he'll, that he'll get better. I, mean, he, I do too. I, I, I don't mean know, to make it like a criticism really. I, I just think it's, it's a, that's the next step for him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Is, and I think the good thing is we can point to specific things that he's done every week that we both would say are a step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know, this is the next step. I'm quite sure that a guy like Nooch who seems to be so focused on improvement is doing the same thing right now in the film room. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going through some, what can I do? How can I get better? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say in the passing game, what mm-hmm. happened to Eldridge? I don't know. And I've been – do you think he's just banged up? I mean, he's no. never truly been healthy. He's, he's never truly he's been healthy. He's got a big like, brace, you know. He, he was captain on Saturday, and I don't think – was he even on the field much? He didn't have he, a single he was. catch. He didn't have a catch. I know they threw to him once on a scramble play on the outside. Um, I think that was probably the third quarter. I mean, I did see him. They, there was an attempt. It wasn't even – he didn't drop it or anything. I mean, it was one yeah. of those where – it was in kind his of a, general direction. Yeah, it was kind of almost a throwaway, but we'll see if he can keep his feet in mm-hmm. kind of a play. But that was the only time I noticed him at all. Um, it, it's hard right now because, you know, he's he was hurt in the preseason and kind of has been slow going back. And I think we've seen Dean, and then this week we saw Sims a little bit, really make their presence felt and be a part of that. But I'm very hopeful that Eldridge is going to be just as much a part of this team as they go along. I just think in the best sense of the word, or right. he can be such an outstanding possession receiver. He can. And I don't mean that to be like, 
you know, like the fo- the quarterback equivalent of game manager. Like, mm-hmm. That's what they need. Just the guy who can get to the sticks and make the tough catches. Um, they don't need him to necessarily stretch the field or make these amazing yards after the catch. If he does that, great. Mm-hmm. But there are other guys on the team who, who can do that. Um, yeah. It just would be nice to see him get more involved in the passing game in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's likely to come. You know, the tight end position has been really up in the air this year with a lot of injuries. It feels mm-hmm. like that may be even more the case as we go forward. You know, they're definitely playing some walk-ons. Uh, Dylan Stapleton's playing a lot. Matt Cullen was out this week, but he's played a lot. You know, Carlton hasn't been fully healthy. You know, Cheatham was involved this week and made a great catch. But, yeah, I think there's room for Eldred still to to develop into the offense. And, I mean, I don't even want to think about, but Jim, you leans on Riley so much. And Dean and Sims are not Riley. And I think Eldridge is a lot more, could be more similar if needed at some point this season to that kind of, he can get you a catch. Yeah. You know, you know, he can get you a catch. It's not a scheme thing. It's not waiting for a guy to just cut and make a move. He can get you a catch the ball on the outside if needed. So, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope he just keeps getting better. I, I wondered watching him at home a couple of weeks ago, if he's just not fully healthy yet. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, one big thing for me this week and that I worry about, and I, I guess this is two things, Robin, we can just talk about both of these, is depth on the O-line and D-line. Um, Jahi Jackson was suspended this week. Houston was very non-committal on when he, he will come back. Um, obviously, Robin, I have no, no knowledge of what that's all about, uh, but Houston did say we'll have to see if he gets back this season. And Garen Butler left the program, it was announced, before this week, Karen had not been starting, but had played a considerable amount last year with all the injuries and shuffling. So JMU is kind of down. I mean, I think the five who started this week were Bethea, Gillespie, Patrick, Chavis, and Fornado. That is a great group, and they gelled and produced a lot of big runs for Cardin and for Marcus Marshall this week. But Jake Glavin's about the only other name we're even semi-familiar with, backing those guys up at this point. So that's a concern, certainly going forward. Need those guys to stay healthy, and hopefully Jahi can get back in the mix as well. And then the same thing on the, at the D-tackle spot uh, in terms of the big guys, where you said Paris Black you know, got his first start and played this week and looks like he's going to be playing for the next few weeks depending on what's up with Adib's injury. So that's, that's just – I mean, those are important. And I think those two position groups have separated JMU – and North Dakota State from the competition they have played the last – this will be the third season in a row. And well, particularly with regard to the depth, mm-hmm. when you can run out six or seven guys on that D-line mm-hmm. who can play at a starter-like level, mm-hmm. it's, it's similar on the FCS level of what you see when FCS teams go up against FBS squads. Like, JMU and North Dakota State have been able to do that over the years against the weaker opponents that can't. You know, it happened over the weekend. Against mm-hmm. Richmond, you know, Richmond just got worn out. And even like when you bring in the sixth or seventh guy and he's fresh and he's just destroying the starters, it's a huge advantage to have. So with that going away, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a real concern, um, particularly yeah. this time. This is not a good time to have guys dropping. No, I mean, thank, I guess, you know, the good news is Jamie has two, two big games back to back. Probably the two biggest CAA games of the year are these next two weeks, Elon and, well, excuse me, they. Elon then at Villanova and then arguably, I mean, I think Stony Brook would be right in that mix, but there's a buy in between. So after these two weeks, they'll have a little bit of a, little bit of a pause. Hopefully everybody will get a chance to get healed up again. 
but yeah, I mean, this, this three game stretch is the, the tough teams, you know, I mean, you or I and Towson can put up points and they may, you never know. They may put, put one, sneak one by JMU, but in terms of teams, we need to match up with up front. These are the three weeks they need to do it. Yeah. It, this is a tough test, uh, or a good opportunity, I should say, for mm-hmm. Nooch to take another step forward because yeah. Elon has a really good pass defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jamie should be able to run against them. Mm-hmm. Not that they're bad, but just you know, relatively speaking, uh, that's definitely the weaker side of that defensive unit. But against the pass, they're right behind Jamie in a lot of the statistics in the CAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but running, I think they're giving up. They're like middle of the pack or worse. So it, this would be a good one for Marcus Marshall to have one of those showcase games and really lead the way to open things up for Nooch. Yeah, and they see Cardin in there as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, I think, gets us through the football part, unless you got anything else to add there, Ruff. No, I'm just looking like at one kind of mm-hmm. maybe pointless stat or maybe something to be excited <laughs> about. Elon's D is pretty weak on third down conversions. Mm. I think they're giving up, like, I, I looked it up earlier, like 47 to 48%. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a big deal. If, if you give JMU that that comes down to what like maybe two extra chances a game yep. compared to a JMU type defense is giving up like 20 25 mm-hmm. somewhere around there that's huge just those extra possessions yeah well so I think especially with a guy like Nooch yeah. who you know tends to I mean we saw it this week I mean, there was a lot of shore in Nooch's game this week you know kind of keeping things alive making plays and third down is when that really shines and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jamie has been converting over 50% and Elon's giving up, you know, the second worst in the league at 48%. So that bodes well. It just yeah. maybe extend some drives. And like you said, with Nooch, the type of guy who can take advantage of those miscues and keep him on the field, really just kind of demoralize the defense. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a good thought. So with that, we will move on to overtime tonight. We don't have a big one tonight. We will get to our, our friend Kristen's uh, down the road here. I think we're going to save that for a week. We've had a chance to prepare for some old yeah. guy stuff, uh, maybe before homecoming. But tonight we're going to talk about the worst mascots in college football. And we're going to take this in a – we're going to keep this in a – we've done our best mascots before, Rob, I think, right? I think we did that last year. Yeah, yeah. we did that last year. But uh, somebody suggested the worst mascots tonight. And we're going to take a very JMU-centric, FCS-centric approach tonight. So, Rob, you want to start us off with one? Do well, a couple we, each? well, we said we weren't going to talk about Richmond. <laughs> but we got to talk about that that spider thing it's yeah. it looks like something from like family guy or the simpsons like if you're going to make a really lame mascot yeah it's got like all the arms that connect to the guy's arms. it's all it's furry th- it's <laughs> furry it's just it, i mean it's like if you gave if people gave you and i a case of beer and like a bunch of materials from michael's Mm-hmm. And said, we, we need a mascot by the time you finish this beer. Like, it's, it's just <laughs> awful. They didn't appear to do anything other than be like, spiders have legs, right? Like, the head doesn't even look like a spider. It's got some awful jersey on it. Um, that's, so, to me, like, no kidding. Like, I know we love to bag on Richmond. And I, we do. But, but that thing is really bad. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the ones, like, even the people that don't follow, the, like, mid-major basketball or FCS football – We'll make fun of that. That'll show up on Twitter. And people are like, what, what the hell is that thing? Like, it is that bad of a mascot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's quite gritty. But... No, well, I mean, that's, 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 gritty's in a division all his own. That's right. And the worst thing about the Richmond mascot is the mascot itself is so terrible. Like, compared, they, I mean, I know we make fun of the ticks and everything, but when they've gone to this sort of, you know, spider looking, the thing on the helmet is not 
I mean, it's a tick and that's horrible. Yeah. But it's not terrible if, if they wanted to make it, you know, stick with that. Right. I mean, compared yeah. to the mascot thing, it's just a horrendous version of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just awful. It's like Mighty yeah. Morphin Power Rangers type costume. Like that really cheesy, like, are they being serious or is this supposed to be like campy? I, I don't get it. Yeah. We don't really have to talk about the next one um, at all, but you know, the blue hens. Really? Oh, yeah. really? I, yeah. I mean, come on. I, I, there's nothing to say about that. I mean, I'm, we don't have to see that thing this year. But as we enter the poultry division of this category, uh, <laughs> the blue chicken is particularly bad. So, Rob, you have another one? Well, I have particular disdain for Ebert. Oh. The, the whole tribe backwards thing. And oh. It was like some contrived. And really just because it was like an attempt to get away from the pantsless griffin. Yeah. Which is great. I, just, I, I, I love the pantsless griffin. Right. I just think it's so William and Mary. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that they've got a griffin. Like it's such a kind of academic-y type mascot. Right. But then it's got no pants on. And it's become like this kind of, I, I don't know, like, like a fan favorite. Right. Um, I, I don't know. But when they try to go to Eber, which is just tried backwards, right. it was just a fail all around. Yeah. I, I don't know what they were thinking. For, for a really bright academic community it was a very dumb dumb decision yeah but thankfully they came back around and and now have stuck with the pencil scurfing yeah so and, and i'm gonna go back to the poultry category here rob because mm-hmm. I, I think jmu's there's no this is an old story i think many of us have seen this somewhere in the bowels of i don't know some pre-youtube video function but the coastal carolina shonda clear Chauncey yeah is one of the worst and for anyone that doesn't know this this thing got in a legit fight with the Duke dog at a game and I I mean it's just awful it's another some type of bird fighting bird something I I don't know it's I think Coastal Carolina is an accredited college of some kind I'm not really (laughs) I don't know if I don't know what the rules are down there in Horry County South Carolina um about you know, academic, academic, you know, achievement. But the Shauna Clear seems to be really the epitome of, of everything wrong with, not, you know, both Coastal Carolina and, and the Sunbelt Conference. So. Well, it's just a thug of a mascot. It really is. Too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was a, Todd's not kidding. It was a full-fledged fight. fight. I, I think, I think the mascot got walked away in, uh, cuffs, cuffs. Yeah, I think I think yeah, both mascots were definitely separated by the authorities. Uh, this is different than when I, we were going to talk about VMI, but that was actually the VMI like Corps of Cadets that beat up that tried to tear yeah. off the Duke dog head. It wasn't really the mascot. I, I don't know what the cadet mascot is, but no, the shot of clear like, actually like was like trying to kick the Duke dog in the back of the knee, kind of a well, thing. The Duke dog. I, I actually just pulled it up on YouTube. <laughs> Duke Dog kind of is joking around and goes up and like does a fake kick in the butt. And the thing turns around and just tackles Duke Dog. Yes. Like full fledged, like, like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Like, it just went from <laughs> mascot play fight to tackle. Then jumps on and going, cops come and tackle, like get it all. It was just, it was bizarre. I think I, I killed a guy with a trident. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Then the cops march them both off. Um, the stupid. Chauncey thing starts trying to throw streamers back at the crowd. I mean, just a salty, salty mascot. Yeah, yeah, it's, that thing's bad, and it's ugly. And oh I, yeah, I'm also I'm not a big fan of mascots wearing jerseys. 
No, which that no. does. I, I, I like Duke Dog wearing a cape. Yes. Yes. Like, That's what we're talking about right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, got any more thereof? No, that I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. that yeah. Would, Chauncey. No, I, I do think the um, the the just to poke the beast a little bit here. I do think the fan loyalty and sort of reverence for the bison oh. is, a, is, is problematic. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, borderline sexual, the uh, obsession <laughs> of, of the NDSU fans with this large furry thing. I, I don't even know what to say. And that's got to be then like, the, And the correcting of everybody to say bison, by, bison. bison, you know, like just the immediate, like, we know you're going to get it wrong. So we're going to be right there for you. Well, that, that's got to be like the most requested tattoo in North Dakota. <laughs> and, and probably by people who didn't go to the school. What do you, I, I've heard a little bit Chase the last couple of weeks has been getting into, he has unintentionally, um, poke some fun on the hero sports pod at bison fans. And he hasn't even meant to, he just, he said, do you have sheets up there? And <laughs> the guy from North Dakota thought he actually meant like sheets. Like for bed your, sheets? Yeah. Like bed sheets. And he's like, yes. Like, what do you think we sleep on straw? <laughs> he was talking about the convenience store, you know? And uh, yeah, so he's done a little bit about that, but yeah, I, don't, I, I think, I wonder what has more layaway in in North Dakota, which is the bison tattoo art or, or the taxidermist. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't it's know. just, I, and I, I don't care to know. Just no. let them do their thing. I, just, right. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> oh, well, that about brings us to the end. Um, thanks, as always, to Pale Fire Brewing. Uh, go get your Pale Fire wherever you can. Rob, I don't have anything else. This is a big week this week. It is family weekend. Hope everybody that... Um, can make it back to the Berg. We'll have a great time this weekend. Don't be surprised, everybody, if this is a tighter game than we're used to. Not every game is 63-10 or 51-0. No. So, you know, sort of get ready. Get ready for four quarters for once this week. And, yeah, get, all- you know, we're, we're, look, we're, we're as hopeful as anybody that JMU can, can really stomp on Elon. But let's not, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in the second quarter or third quarter if this is a really – you know, hard fight. I'd, I'd consider double digits to be a huge win. I, I would too. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think people have been saying like, I'd, is I'd JMU going to lose to anybody by more, less than 10 points or win over anybody by less than 10? And I thought if they get through the next three weeks um, winning by losing. more than 10, I would be, and not losing, I would be yeah. really impressed. Though, oh, yeah. You know? I, I would too. So let, let's just slow down a little bit, root, root for Dukes, and be ready to go. Yeah, and and Caps kick off their Stanley Cup defense this week. So. They did. I saw them on the. Uh, I saw they have the team, you know, etched onto the Stanley Cup today. Yeah, I'm now. going Wednesday. Oh, see, nice to see them unveil the banner That's and right. play the Bruins. So. And we saw, we saw our guy Buckhans was out there for the first preseason game for the Wiz tonight. Oh, so hopefully nice. he'll have a good season and and more than anything, hopefully we'll get to talk to him again bef- when we get to Frisco. Yeah, <laughs> so. good, old, good old Dwight Howard, our savior. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> 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 All right. I hope you have a good season nonetheless, Buckins. You've suffered through worse. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, Rob, I will talk to you next week when hopefully we can really start spreading our wings and, and thinking about what's possible for this team after they play a really good FCS team. Yeah, get a, get a good game under our belts. Then we'll mm-hmm. see what this team's all about. Yep. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, Rob.
All right, have a good one, everyone. Go Dukes. Yeah.